0: Everybody, welcome back to Excuse My Reach. I'm your host, Emma Isaac. Today, our guests are Fionn McCarthy and Jack Norman, co-founders of Zirkulu, a company with a mission to build technical outdoor gear based on the principles of the circular economy and chart new territories in outdoor apparel. From ideation to production to launching a Kickstarter, Fionn and Jack are true entrepreneurs that like their company have a deep desire to make things better. So without further ado, Fionn, Jack, welcome to Excuse My Reach. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today.
1: Hi Emma, thanks so much for having us on. Uh, Really glad to be here. So I'm Fionn, Jack here also.
0: Hey guys, thank you. I really, really do appreciate it. This is the first time that I have podcast with two people in one. So bear with us here, but I think it's gonna be a really exciting time and you guys there's so much that i want to know from you you starting a company from scratch like i said in that intro ideating about it you know brainstorming all the nitty-gritty i want to get into it all for anybody that's trying to start their own company or just really interested in the specific space that you guys are in so to start it off can we just go straight from the beginning can you guys tell me a little bit about yourselves how you two met how how your friendship and co-foundership even came to be.
2: Sure, Jack, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm happy Happy to tell you where it all started. So Fiona and I go back about 20 years now at this point. So we actually crossed paths in primary school. Wow. Um, would you believe so? Um, it was in senior is when we first met, which would be like the second, um, second year in primary school. So we were both about six years old. Um, so that was in in our local town in Kinsale, which is down the south coast of um, of Ireland. So then, growing up, we would have played sports together, went to school, uh, and so on. And I guess then it was kind of after college, we were both back in in Kinsale, and we both spent some time abroad. We we spent time together in Canada. We went on a road trip from from Vancouver all the way through to Calgary, which was loads of fun. And then I guess it was towards um, lockdown, towards the end of lockdown, we're both kind of, well, maybe not towards the end, but it was during lockdown, we both were, were a bit stuck, obviously indoors like everyone else. And we had some energy and we wanted to put it towards something. So we kind of locked horns and started the project together. So originally the idea we started with was... Um, it was always to build a rain jacket. That was the first starting point for us. And then it was, how can we how can we make it? And obviously try and do something different. So we were familiar with the circular economy. Um, so taking that concept and applying it to a rain jacket was how we started the project. Um, so going back to Kinsale, where we come from, they have, just to give a bit more context, it's like this small fishing community on the coast. So they have like a little port where all the fishermen come in and it was basically just a big sign outside one of the ports that have this um, campaign. It was called Fishing for Litter, where fishermen were being incentivized to bring their old fishing nets in. So the idea was to see if we could collect enough nylon fishing nets and send it to this recycling company in Italy who could make a fabric that you could use to create a rain jacket. So that's how we started. And we kind of like reached out to the local community, talked to like the fishermen, the harbour master, and ended up speaking to this guy in Castletown Bear, which is further west in Ireland. And basically he's like the unofficial net collector in Ireland. So any fishermen, whether it's from the west or east coast, all of their fishing gear usually ends up in his facility. So we met with Mike. Told him the idea. He was really supportive, really nice guy. Um, He liked working with us. The only problem was that his nylon nets, so the nets that would be used to make the jacket, he already had an end of life solution for them. So, Fionn and I determined to keep going with the rain jacket idea. Um, We had to change our approach a little bit. And I guess the more we thought about it, the more it made sense to make a jacket from bio base. so mm. moving away from plastic completely so that's where we are at the moment so we we've made this first jacket um, which we've named Endurance um, so Endurance is actually the name we've named it after Tom Crean who I'm sure if you're familiar with but he's like this uh, heroic Irish Antarctic explorer so it's just kind of a nod to Irish exploration um, and the jacket itself is made from sugarcane partially made from sugar cane. Wow. So that's our focus at the moment is to transition from synthetic outdoor gear to bio-based. So looking at renewable raw materials and this is the first jacket we've made and then we've got other products in in the pipeline with other raw materials. Yeah, so it's a little background to, to how we first cro- crossed paths and where we are.
0: That's really cool. And that's such a unique ideation story. I'm wondering why it was so important to you, to both of you, to make a sustainable jacket as opposed to just getting into, you know, the clothing space without necessarily that mission and purpose behind it. Because, of course, I think that our society is kind of moving towards being more conscious in that way. But I'm wondering why for you guys it was important.
1: So I think from my point of view, anyway, starting off, it came from... Uh, love of the outdoors and noticing that the climate's been obviously changing around us over the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. So I got the opportunity to do a ski season in the French Alps just before COVID and all of the locals were talking about how the snow conditions were the worst they'd been for years and that it's been getting worse and worse year on year over time. So I suppose like my love of the outdoors and skiing is what pushed me on to want to do something outdoor related and, I think to uh, in an attempt to somewhat change what seems to be a broken system in the sense that outdoor apparel companies are encouraging people to go explore our natural world, but doing it in gear that's made from plastics and other synthetics that are ultimately damaging the natural world, which is somewhat of an oxymoron in itself, I suppose, but it's um. I think that focus was from us is that the product is important. You can't just go out there and put your name on something and expect for it to last. the real value comes in creating a product that has value, and then nurturing the customers that that value that product. I suppose is what what drove us at the start. Jack, did you have anything you wanted to add to that?
2: Yeah, I think exact same logic. Um, as Sean said, I think like when we first started with the fishing net, it was just a chance to do something hands on and and actually identify a problem with the discarded nets and then make something tangible from it that people would enjoy and find functional and and then i guess yeah just to try and make something different that would that would make sense as well um so that was the logic behind that approach to making the jacket
1: obviously as part of, it's not just the jacket that's the overall solution it's the end of life solution to the jacket as well so not only in creating a jacket from renewable materials, but internally then we have a digital take-back program that will allow us to track all jackets that are currently in circulation so that we know how much of each raw material we as a company have in circulation at any one time. And then our customers will be able to return the jacket to us after the period of maybe four or five years, depending on what the, the average lifetime of the jacket seems to be. And then they can return the jacket to us where we'll, we'll recycle it with our recycling partners who are based in northern France and turn that jacket into a new yarn that can be used again then for new products. So fully completing the circle.
0: Can you guys talk a bit about where the concept of the circular economy came from?
2: It's, it's an organization called the Ellen MacArthur Foundation who are kind of pioneers in, in the circular economy and it's concept that's been around for quite some time, but I guess it's only coming into public public attention in, in the last few years. So we kind of took that concept and applied it initially to the giant and then more specifically to the fishing nets. So the first part of the circular economy is to design out waste. So the waste being the discarded fishing nets in that case, um, so then it was and then there's other elements to it as well we did have to shift from the discarded fishing nets but then we decided to do it with the renewable materials Mm -hmm. but again it's the same concept of having having a closed loop where there's the take back and and the recycling and so on
0: very cool and i would love to talk about logistically how you got this started in the sense of how did you find a manufacturer how did you find people to actually put your idea into production
1: everything is online really in terms of finding manufacturers or freelance designers or fabric mills and 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 things like that so it all just comes down to your willingness to to endure some google searches and see what comes of it and then send a couple of emails and hope to get some responses is really the the trial and error part of it and and then by building up conversation or having those conversations and building up relationships with the with the people you've reached out to, you can hope to get introduced to more. But I suppose what I've, what I've found anyway over the last year and a half or two years of, of the Zirculu endeavor is that it's all word of mouth or you get introduced to people and it's not what you know, it's who you know and who can introduce you to who in terms of meeting new manufacturers or fabric suppliers and things like that, which has been a real help in terms of just getting conversations going.
0: Right. And that that community element, I think you're right, is so important. Did you guys have mentors or advisors in this process when you initially started?
2: No, I, I don't think we did. I think we had the idea and we just kind of put our put our heads into it. I, I think I think we we're just so enthusiastic to get started we didn't even think about asking for help is just kind of we'd figure it out on our own and, and see where we end up and you know really proud of where we are I think like for our first product I think well it exceeded my expectations anyway and maybe considering from what the first prototype looked like to wh- what we have now on the kickstarter it's um, it's it's been quite a, a quick improvement so yeah I guess it was still a big learning curve for us at the start.
0: I would love to talk about that prototype The process of getting that, was it that you guys went through multiple rounds of feedback, multiple prototypes, or how did that work?
1: I think by the time we'd fully committed to making the jacket and it being our flagship product was probably November, December 21. So we got early conversations going with manufacturers based in China who who we sent our tech pack to. So a tech pack is essentially just a spec sheet of all of the measurements for the fabric so that the manufacturers can create the garment based on what the designer has designed. Um, So we sent our tech pack over to manufacturers in in China initially to get some prototypes made. We had one or two prototypes that we were pretty um, dissatisfied with really. And then we decided that it was best to maybe look closer to home in terms of manufacturers so that we had an opportunity to at least visit the factory more often and things, which was then when we decided to move operations or manufacturing operations to Portugal. Um, so our manufacturing partner is currently based just outside of Porto in northern Portugal, and they were extremely helpful in getting a prototype created uh, and trialling new fabrics and getting the designs refined. So we've been lucky enough to work with that manufacturing partner over the last 12 months or so in order to get the jacket to the place that we wanted it to be. And I suppose we got it to that place July, just gone in 2022. And it's just been five or six months of getting the back end stuff sorted in terms of getting online for our Kickstarter. We were also fortunate enough to be invited to have a stand for our jacket at ISPO which is the world's largest outdoor apparel and sportswear conference, which is held in Munich in Germany every year. So we were pretty busy um, after the prototype had come through, getting everything sorted in terms of financing, Kickstarters, and trying to do some advertisement and word of mouth, um, marketing ourselves as well. So we were fortunate enough then to launch our Kickstarter in early December and reached our funding goal at the end of, well, I suppose it was start of January and then the campaign ended at the end of January. So into production in the next week or two. And that's why Jack is just back from Portugal. He was just doing a QA trip to our manufacturers to have a look at the fabrics and organize everything else in that sense.
0: It's really amazing that you guys have been able to do all of that in kind of the span of just like two years. It seems like it's, that's a really... Kind of amazingly fast process i'm sure it feels like a whirlwind for you both i am curious to know so obviously you're at this kickstarter stage that you're talking about now previous to that how were you able to fund the prototype and you know everything that you had to get up to there did you get outside funding did you guys put your own money into it
1: uh yeah so we have personally funded everything up onto this point um, ourselves. So Jack and I still work full time jobs. Um, I work for Amazon and Jack works online for Joe's Norman Photography, the gallery side of things and the online store. Jack, maybe you could share a bit more about that in terms of what you
2: do there. Yeah. So um, I guess since October 2019, I went to work for my dad um so that's kind of been my my gig on the side so it's kind of handy so i can do like two days a week with him and have online working in remote conditions and then i can put the rest of the time into circulu so it's it's a nice balance and a lot of the things i learned working for my dad so it's a lot of like online marketing and and web development, so like built a, a website on Shopify and and how to grow the the business and stuff like that. So I'm taking a lot of what I did there, and I can apply a lot of the same skills to Zerkulu. So it works out, it works out nicely. And and same for Fionn like he, he learns lots with, with Amazon as well that he can bring um, to Zerkulu. So it's a nice balance where we can still learn day to day that's relevant to Zerkulu. So I think we're in a nice starting point, hopefully for the for the future and and i guess it's just a case now of trying to transition my time from working for my dad into zirkulu but obviously you still need to to earn a living and and so on as well so yeah i guess for us we're kind of one eye on the present and one eye on the future so but we're we're doing well i think given given that we have other responsibilities as well um but i do think we've figured out like a nice unique way of contributing a lot to zirkulu um and still being able to earn a living as well, which I don't think is always that easy for everyone starting a business.
1: No, definitely not.
0: I love that you just said one eye in the present, one eye in the future. I think that's a really great way to look at it. You talk about that it, it's something that not everybody can do. Do you guys feel like it's challenging to balance both, both things at the same time, which is essentially these two full-time jobs that you guys are doing constantly?
2: thankfully we've mastered the art of the, the dovetail <laughs> so it's been our uh, the key to how we get stuff done so basically when one of us is busy on one job somebody can do it and then vice versa so i think balancing it is tricky but i think i think just having good communication skills and and just making things as simple as possible for each other is is the key to getting it done because like the tasks we have to do for skulu is never it never, it's just like more a lot of a small tasks as opposed to big, challenging, hour-long tasks of work. So um, yeah, I think the dovetail is the is the secret to, to balancing everything.
1: Absolutely. And I suppose it's the two of us being able to realize now having worked with each other for two years when the other person needs a hand or when the other person has it or when you need to pick something up and drive it on yourself or whatever the case may be. But as Jack says, it's nice to have... That clear communication, and it's always great to have, you know, a, a sounding board or a voice of reason, or you know, someone to trash out an idea with. And not every founder has the opportunity to do that, and far less have the opportunity to do that with a, a good childhood friend as well. So it makes it a lot easier in terms of getting the work done when you know you're not just doing it for yourself; you're doing it for your good buddy too. So like it's it's not that difficult in terms of time management. I suppose everyone has to. To manage time effectively to some degree to be a functioning adult, but yeah, it's not that difficult at all. I suppose when we're as passionate about it as we are and we want to see it succeed and see change somewhat systematically in people's approach to outdoor apparel and people's approach to the materials in their clothing, it really isn't a, a chore at all. It's a treat, if anything.
0: It actually really goes into another question that I have for both of you kind of twofold one what are the parts that you enjoy the most about working with somebody so closely that is your friend you touched on this a little bit and because you guys do have such a long-standing friendship I'm assuming that you guys know each other like the back of your hand so what's it like to work together and then two do you guys have specific clear roles that you do within the company or is it more that You're just always constantly doing things whenever the other person can't or whatever your strengths are. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: From my point of view, it's an absolute treat. Like I wouldn't want to be going through what it is to start a business with someone that wasn't a close friend of mine because you're getting to share the incredible highs and what can be some challenging lows at times as well. So you've always got someone that you're willing to celebrate with. And you always have someone that you feel like you can turn to, so it's that u- unique dynamic of being able to do both and not feeling uncomfortable in doing th- in doing so. Um, so, from my point of view, I found it a pleasure to work with Jack, um, and feel that friendship part friendship founders or founders that are friends, despite sometimes people say don't mix business and pleasure. I've found it an absolute treat so far. And then in terms of roles. I suppose for the first year, it was very much a case of over-eagerness for both of us wanting to learn absolutely every facet of textiles and product management and outdoor apparel. So we were involved in all conversations at all times together, whether one was leading the conversation or the other was leading the conversation. You know, Jack was always CC'd in email threads that I was going in and, and vice versa. But I suppose over the last year or six months or so, we've been able to define roles a little bit better. So based on backgrounds and things, Jack would make more sense from a marketing point of view and with his experience on the gallery side of things with the online marketing and online store, Jack kind of takes care of the online stuff and the setting up of the Shopify store and the marketing and the various stakeholders that are needed to be managed there and then from my side of things, I've been very much focused on the finances over the last while and the logistics in terms of getting fabrics to and from manufacturers and things like that. That said, we both play a huge part in product manufacturing and just design in general. So we both hop on for the design and product side of things because that was, you know, what we both got in initially for was to try and create a cool jacket and try and create a cool product that people can resonate with. So I feel it's important for us to stay connected to that process and both of us more than willing to stay connected to that as well by being involved. So I think despite the fact that we have one or two streams ourselves, we tend to overlap often and it seems to work so far. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I guess just to echo a, a lot of what Fionn said, um, it definitely doesn't feel like work most of the time, which is which is why it, that's the joy of it, I guess, and it doesn't, it's very effortless to, to pick up the phone and and like when we call it work, we have something to figure it out, like, you know what I mean, half the time, I didn't even know if we're talking about work or just talking about whatever, just managed to get stuff done and have a laugh in between, so um, yeah, there's definitely lots of positives to working working with friends and and I I really enjoy it and something um, that I think will only get better in time as well. So um, yeah, I think looking back on where we started, I think it's just a natural progression as well. And there's a lot of figuring out as as we go in terms of roles and stuff, but I think that's part of the fun is not knowing everything as well and, and just seeing what we like individually and what we have more interest in growing within ourselves and then whatever we can bring to the business as well. But I'm sure it'll chop and change, um, over the years. So it's, um, yeah, I don't think we put too much pressure on each other either, which I think helps in terms of who does what. So, um, yeah, it's just a case of figuring it out as we go.
0: Falling forward. Absolutely.
2: One step at a time.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I'm sure it's a insane process every step of the way. I'd love to know Some of the nitty gritty of things such as the legal process of, I don't know, maybe you guys have patent things for this jacket and also how you came up with a business plan, how you even knew how to do a business plan. A lot of people listening, you know, like I mentioned in the beginning, they may want to be starting their own business or taking tips from you guys. So if you could walk through some of those nitty gritty details from the start.
1: Yeah, so I suppose the first thing that Jack and I are very conscious of is doing things correctly. So before we'd even like had conversations with manufacturers or, you know, started looking at fabrics and things, we went about setting up a company. So we were fortunate enough to work with uh, accountants that we had been referred to um, who were very helpful in setting up a company it's pretty straightforward in Ireland so we got the accountants to set up that and then we were lucky enough to be accepted into a startup incubation program in the which is being run in the University of Cork um so that's the university that Jack and I would have attended and graduated from so we started in there in June of 2022 so just this summer gone and they've been extremely helpful in getting us off the ground in terms of in-house documents, in terms of business plans, investor pitches, um, helping with grant aids, getting in contact with various governing bodies or government bodies and, and things like that. So the Ignite program in, US, in the UCC in Cork is what's really helped us to look at things from a more professional standpoint in terms of how to get the business plan how to get and refine your pitch deck and and really looking at financials from, from not just a profit and loss or 12 month point of view, but from far more of a three and five and seven to 10 year financial projections plan as well, which has been very helpful for us in terms of looking at our next step now, which will hopefully be to gain some investment in order to allow for the potential growth that Jack and I have forecasted. Um, but yeah, I suppose to answer your question, the support of the startup incubation program has been great, but there are a huge amount of business resources out there that any person who's looking to start a startup can go and and find for themselves in various online forms or in local education institutes in their home city and town. And I suppose it's important to not overlook those kind of resources as well, because a lot of people can get caught up with trying to do it themselves or trying to find everything online or trying to find an Epic mentor or something like that. But often the best resources are the ones closest to home and the people that can help you most are those in and around your community or in and around your area that have been through similar paths and they can share their experiences with you. And I think similar to what the textiles and the manufacturing industry seems to be like, it's more of a word of mouth and community kind of thing in an entrepreneurial world, whereby it's very much a, a learn and share kind of an environment. And I feel like Jack and I have been very fortunate to have some incredible conversations with some extremely exciting and engaging entrepreneurs in our area that have helped to push us along in our in our path and have given us various confidences along the way to continue to pursue what we're up to and stuff like that. So support of others, uh, online resources, and, and the startup incubation program have been good from a business plan and administrative side of things.
0: That's such a great point that you made about looking to those that are closest to you, maybe your neighbors, maybe people that you've known for your whole life to give you some of those resources. I'm really interested about the incubation program. Is it something that you guys applied to? How did you know that it existed?
1: Uh, yeah, so it was just something that there was a uh, jacket scene, I think an ad for it on LinkedIn or a post about it. Um, and we decided to get a get an application in there and we were fortunate enough, we did a panel interview and presented our idea and what our business plan was and we were fortunate enough to be accepted and brought on board. So we've been participants of that since June and will continue for a 12 month period. And I suppose at the moment it's for us to look forward and see where we can position ourselves in six months time to maybe do some other kind of an incubation or startup program or to move into our own independent space then as well. So yeah, it's, Great. Those resources are incredible. Startup incubation programs and programs aimed at helping entrepreneurs find their feet. They're they're the programs that you should be looking to get into because they can give you the most insight in the shortest period of time.
0: That seems like such a fantastic resource. Did they help you guys with things also like how to price your product or kind of to realize what you guys were up against in the market? what companies were doing something similar to what you guys were doing? Or did you feel like that was more of your own market research?
2: Yes. Yeah, so I guess like the benefit of the incubator program was they were kind of asking all the hard questions and they were making us think about things a bit differently and, and from a different perspective. So when we went in there, obviously we were like, Oh, this is great. We have this we're going to do this. And we had all these grand ideas and, and, not to take away from how we were thinking at the time, but we definitely needed some some guardrails and and a bit of a roadmap. And I guess the incubator program just gave us a bit more structure um, and helped us focus on the right things at the right time um, and making sure that we don't get too far ahead of ourselves and so on. So it it was definitely good in that sense. And and I guess, but in terms of like market research. So within the incubator program, there's a bunch of other businesses and startups so it's still very much up to you to do the work so that being said like i'm going to push each other on people are different places with their startup um but i i guess market research was still all down to us but maybe they would help us um assess the right things in the market or or look at the right things but i guess for Fiona and i like we would be our own customers so we've got a good idea of how everything looks in terms of other companies and 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 so on so i don't think. I think naturally we don't actually have to do as much market research as maybe we should be doing. Um, but I, I guess it's it's also about being creative as well and not caring too much about what, what others are doing. Because if we spend too much time looking at them, it's going to take away from what we want to create. And obviously it has to be something unique and something we're proud of. So I think we're probably on the other side, we probably don't look at the market research as much as the creative side, I think. Um, and it's probably the way we'll keep going forward because I think especially in a, a marketplace that's only going to get more and more crowded, I think it's more important to just try and make things that you're proud of and make things that are unique to you. So I think, yeah, I think the market research thing is is important, definitely, but it's more important depending on what business you have. And I don't think for ours specifically, it's, it's as important as maybe some other ones.
1: Yeah. And I suppose to echo some of your points, Jack, and, and add another perspective in the sense that Before we got into it, we would have been huge advocates and fans of the outdoor apparel brands. You know, your Patagonias and North Faces and Arc'teryx and, you know, some of the European ones like Picture Organic Clothing and things. So we would have already been extremely familiar with product, what's considered good, price points, materials, you know, various different spec of jacket for different usage and things like that um i think another confidence that we got as well in terms of the industry and market moving towards sustainable and renewable materials was the incredible success of Allbirds, the shoe company that were based out in new zealand um having seen the incredible waves that they've been making over the last six or seven years or even longer at this stage since they last or launched their Kickstarter, Jack and I felt that there was a place and it is a time for a company to look more at the sustainable side of things and be true to their word about it in order to challenge some of the more robust outdoor apparel companies that exist out there. So I feel from that standpoint, we had done our market research in terms of knowing what opportunities existed what the competitors already were and then what what the standard of good already looked like from being customers of of these companies already so on top of some of our own already knowledge and on top of some of the market research we would have done we were able to then maybe take one or two guidances from the incubator program but the market research side of things was very much from our our own Feel, I suppose.
0: I love what both of you said, kind of combining the idea of seeing what is in the market, referencing a company like Allbirds, understanding sort of what their mission is, what they're trying to do, and see that there is a place for you guys there. But then also, like what you guys were saying, you know, you are the consumer, right? So you have to understand what would I pick up if I was shopping at a store, if I was shopping online. What is something that would appeal to me as a consumer? So I think it's really great that you guys were able to kind of mold all of those things together and then come up with this perfect product for you guys to start your company. I do want to know about the Kickstarter. I want you guys to kind of tell us basically what is a Kickstarter? How do you do a Kickstarter? How do you model a Kickstarter? All the nitty gritty of that process.
1: Uh sure so a Kickstarter is a crowdfunding platform and you have other crowdfunding platforms such as Indiegogo um and things like that as well so it's an uh, it's a platform that offers entrepreneurs an opportunity to place a product or service online and generate revenue in order to get that product or service to the market um, before it's actually created. So if a company doesn't have huge revenue or huge working capital at the start, it gives the company a chance to build working capital by generating a successful campaign. But it also offers, and it's what Jack and I were using it as, is a market validation study. So it's an early insight, in, or it can be used as an early insight into what the market deems the product to be in terms of a success or a failure. Um, so from Allbirds successes and Kickstarter and various other brands that we'd be familiar with, uh, there's another company based out of Amsterdam called Cortazu that are very heavily involved with crowdfunding and Kickstarter campaigns After the successes that these companies had, we felt it was a great opportunity for us to use a a platform like this as well. So we'd been gearing ourselves up to launch the Kickstarter campaign at the start of December. And in order to do that, it's just, again, a lot of research and putting together a very, well, the best looking pitch deck that you could possibly put together and putting it all on one platform whereby you have this offering in the form of a Kickstarter campaign. And then this Kickstarter campaign will run for a period of time. The idea is that you try to generate customers and sales through the Kickstarter who are pre-ordering your product or service, and then you set a funding goal. So the idea is to reach a certain funding goal within a period of time. So Jack and I set a funding goal um, and set an achievement date of 60 days. Unfortunately enough, we reached our funding goal after about forty days and were able to generate more sales and revenue through the Kickstarter campaign afterwards um, and that was all that was all organic as well so for the first fifty five days of the campaign, we ran it all organically and then we decided for the last five days to run some online targeted ads um as a to help with the market feasibility study and get some more numbers behind the sales and see what would happen if we put some more money into online ads and things like that as well. So yeah, that's a small background into our Kickstarter.
0: Very, very cool. I think it's really useful for all of us to kind of hear what that process is. Aside from obviously superseding what you guys put out for what you wanted to succeed in your Kickstarter What are other ways that you guys are currently measuring success?
1: So I suppose another measure of success for us at the moment is the offline sales that we're trying to generate in terms of business to business opportunities in Ireland and in Cork as well. So hopefully we can potentially partner with um, some universities or some um, state agencies who have employees who engage in outdoor activities so we'll be we'll be looking at generating both business to customer and business to business sales in an omni channel experience so hopefully have retail partnerships so that we can get products in bricks and mortar stores and also have our online sales as well
0: i would also love to know because i'm assuming that when you guys put this out you got a lot of this organic traffic what was the response like from your family and friends? Have they been supportive of this? Have they, they been your consumers? I would just like to know if people think, oh my gosh, these two are wild for embarking on this endeavor or if they're like, yes, we need this product and every other product after.
2: I guess that was an exciting part of it as well is kind of sharing it with with family and friends. And um, yeah, like I think that's kind of the first customers we we brought on board was was family and friends. and and thankfully a lot of them have have agreed to pick up jackets and stuff and a lot of them asking questions where the jackets are coming and <laughs> when they can expect to get them um but no it's been incredible the support we've got i think it's definitely encouraging you know i think to share an idea with anyone whether it be a business or just a personal idea um always takes a bit of courage and and doing it in front of especially hometown friends people we've known growing up and then like over christmas it's quite common for everyone to come home so having those conversations and, and just hearing the positive support is is a nice feeling um, and it's definitely encouraging um, and, and motivating to um, to keep it going. So it's it's been really good. I think that's definitely something because I think Fiona and I, we spent probably about 18 months kind of behind the scenes kind of before we could even have anything to show for it. Um, and then all of a sudden we have a business and it's very much a consumer facing business. So we have to, like document a lot of it, put it in front of people on social media, and ask people to f- to follow our page and to share it, and so on. Um, but no, I'm really really happy with the support we've gotten from our family, friends, and from our local community. It's it's um, it's a really nice place to start, and I think that's one of the the nice things about Ireland is that it's a small place, and and everyone kind of knows everyone. So um, there's definitely it's definitely very supportive of of what we're doing.
1: I was just going to double on that and say, absolutely, Jack and I have been incredibly lucky in the support that we've gotten from friends and family. And though they might think that we're wild or mad for (laughs) embarking on something like this, they've been nothing but sound and nothing but, you know, kind and generous when it comes to their time or feedback and, and help in general. We've just received so much help from, you know, so many people that we owe a lot to over the course of two years I didn't think you could generate so many favors that you owe to people but um, (laughs) yeah no it's been it's been great and it's been really nice to share with people as well as Jack said working away in the background for like 18 months or so that's something and then being able to bring it to market and show it to people and have something in physical form and you know have something online it's it's been a long time coming in the background so it's been a nice it's been a nice one for us.
0: Is that just the coolest feeling being able to actually have product?
1: Yeah, it is. I must say is getting like even sample stuff.
0: Do you guys feel like this dynamic duo, the people that have known you the longest, were they like, yeah, it totally makes sense that Fiona and Jack would have gone into business together or was this like completely out of left field for people? Uh,
1: I'd say it was a bit more left field, like I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what anyone's response to me and anyone else going to business would be in general, but I don't think anyone would have paired Jack and I together from a business partnership point of view. What do you reckon, Jack? Would you have guessed in in third class that we'd
2: have gone into business together? No, it's <laughs> um, a good question, actually. I, I, I think maybe yeah. it just kind of, it literally just happened over one conversation um, during lockdown. We went for a walk. And then two days later, all of a sudden we're in business together, even a day later, probably. I can't remember, but yeah, it didn't seem to be much thought put into it. It just seemed like an easy, an easy, an easy go. And we just kind of went for it and didn't look back. So yeah, I think it's good not to ask too many questions at the start and just see where it ends up. And thankfully it seems to be in a good spot. So just keep moving forward. Nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? There you go.
0: <laughs> That's an excellent point. What do you guys feel like some of the biggest challenges have been? I'm sure that there have been so many things that have been overwhelming or if you guys were impacted by, you know, supply chain issues or anything like that during this process. What are some of the biggest challenges that you guys have gone through thus far?
1: Oh, I think like the biggest challenge from my point of view is getting involved in an industry that I had very little insight into beforehand. So like, I've always been interested in clothing and textiles and apparel and stuff like that, but I've never sent any emails to manufacturers or even considered, you know, where my clothes are coming from or even further along where my fabric is coming from for to make my clothes and things. So educating myself from a point of view as to what what the textile industry looks like, what good materials are, what bad materials are from a sustainability point of view. And then just trying to get those conversations going, I think has been the toughest part because you could spend six months speaking to the wrong person and they won't tell you that that they're the wrong person. And you can spend five minutes speaking to the right person and you can have all of those issues that you had for the last six months resolved by one good email to the right person. So I think just making sure that you're having the conversation with the right person is probably the thing that we've struggled with most. But again, over a period of time, we've gotten better at identifying the people that are time wasters and identifying the people that are there to help. Uh, and, and, And over time as well, we've been able to forge better relationships with people that are able to trust us and that we can trust so that those introductions to new stakeholders or to new people that may be able to help us they're a lot easier to have now than they would have been two years ago.
2: Yeah. Very similar to what you said there, Fiona. It was a very like at the start we had to be quite patient and we had this vision for how we wanted the product to look. Um, but as I mentioned, like prototype one and, and prototype two did not <laughs> look exactly or, or work how we wanted it to. Um, and then that's just a case of talking to more people, getting more samples and and so on. So there was a bit of, yeah, we had to be quite patient at the start when things weren't exactly going our way and the prototypes weren't looking the way we wanted them to and and so on but thankfully we just gave it the time that it needed um to get the product looking the way we wanted to and, and so on so yeah i i think the biggest challenge so far has just been the kind of getting over the initial hump of knowing who to talk to and, and how to make it happen but I, I guess that's part of the learning curve from from a starting off point of view
0: For sure. I think you guys are probably right about that. And also, there's not like a ton of I feel resources of people that are starting out talking about a lot of this. It's kind of one of the primary reasons I wanted to have you guys on. I feel like a lot of times we get information from those that are far far at the top, you know, those companies that are already incredibly established, they almost forgot about what their origin story or their first two years in the process was like. So That's why I'm really interested to hear all of this from you guys. I do want to know, has this process, the entirety of it, has it been incredibly different than you thought it would be or exactly how you would, how you thought it would be? And I know you guys mentioned you kind of just started it and you didn't look back and you didn't really give it much thought of like, oh, well, should we start a company? Yeah, we should start a company together. (laughs) So I'm, I'm wondering is, is that process different at all?
1: I think it's important to not have too many expectations when you go into something. It's more important to have goals and set achievable objectives as opposed to have expectations, right? Because if you have expectations and reality doesn't doesn't reach those, then you're going to be left disappointed. Or if, you know, vice versa, if you underestimate how incredible the journey is going to be, you might not even start it in the first place. So, I think if you're just willing to get out there and get after it and start something or try something or make something better or, you know, change the way a system works or something like it's just go out there with an intention to do something and let the rest of it find its feet. But I think it's important not to have too many expectations because I don't think Jack or I could have predicted any of the course that we've traveled so far. And, you know, in hindsight, I don't think I would have wanted to try and map it out either because it's had its own incredibly natural way of finding itself. And I think it's just about trusting the process and trusting the soup and just knowing that things will work themselves out in the end. And that doesn't always have to be success. And it it's not always necessarily failure either. And just ex, just set out and have an adventure, right? And I think that's what we're up
2: to yeah something similar again like I, i'd say the uncertainty is, is part of the fun you know i think going to something like this we again it's a lot of figuring out uh, as you go and i think if if it's someone sitting there and telling us what to do it's it's like the opposite we want to go out there and, and 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 just try and make something that doesn't exist and and i think it just leads us to lots of interesting conversations and and every week is different and we're constantly trying to gather new information and make decisions based on that. And I don't think you can um, like almost predict too much as to what you want to do or what, what's going to happen. I think you just have to kind of, like Sean said, just trust the journey and, and see where it ends up. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just a case of keeping with it and, and figuring it out as you go.
0: Well, it sounds like it has been quite the journey so far. I'm wondering for you guys, for this company, what are some of the short term and long term goals that you guys have, just I guess in your lives and then also for your company?
2: Short term for for the business is for us to get it kind of up and running to a point where we have our full product range and we have the the online store up and stocked. If we can do that like by the end of the year, early next year, that'll be a big step for us and just kinda have that we can engage with, with people on a daily basis. Cause at the moment it's kind of like, we do the Kickstarter for two months and now we're a little bit closed off from everyone. And then we do maybe another Kickstarter launch the website later in the year. So once it's kind of up and running every day, that'll be a really nice step for us. Um, and, and I guess we are in the process of kind of seeking an investment will be another big step for us where we can actually uh, sustain sustain a wage from, from the business will be really cool um in the next couple of years and we're actually living off the idea will be a nice feeling um so hopefully yeah that'll be kind of like the short term the next two or three years and then long term I guess like like we said in the last question you don't want to have too many expectations because if it if it falls short I, I don't think the objective of the business is to make this um something that you don't enjoy so it's always making sure it's it's something that we're happy living in and, and enjoying something we're proud of. And, and obviously if we can bring more people on the journey with us even better, and Ireland's quite a small place. So I think we always have to have one eye maybe in, in North America and, and one eye in, in, in Europe as well, um, as we keep naturally as we want to grow it, I guess. So, um, that would be kind of into the future as well, but, and not, not only in terms of the business itself, but I think the product too, I think is something we started off with the product at the moment, and I think we've got plans to keep improving it. And, and ideally, the, the plan is to have a product range that's 100% bio-based and from natural materials, which nobody else is really doing at the moment. So if, if we can complete that mission as well, that would be, be a great achievement for us in the long run.
1: Yeah, I think the exciting part about looking forward is, you know, seeing the opportunities there in terms of growth. Um and see the opportunities there to hopefully change people's perspectives and opinions on what outdoor apparel should be and their approach to, you know, their garments and what they do with them at the end of life. And I think it's a nice thing about the community at the moment in general is a lot of people are trying to do the upcycle thing whereby they're repairing and patching their old bits instead of buying new bits or sending it back for repair instead of going out and buying a new jacket entirely. Um. So suppose what's exciting is potentially seeing change from an industry point of view and then hopefully seeing change in terms of growth from a company point of view.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, like I mentioned, I think that we are definitely in a trajectory of people not only caring about shopping sustainably but also putting that into their day-to-day lives actually making those choices as opposed to it just being like in their mind that they should do it but making the decision of okay well this jacket was made really sustainably and this one was not i want that one i want to do good i want to wear good you know not leave such a big footprint on our earth so i think it's a really cool mission that you guys are setting out to do and to kind of help change this industry I want to know about the name. Can you guys talk a bit about that? How did you guys come up with it? What it means to you? How it stands behind the mission?
2: Fionn is um, behind the name, so I might let him take that one. Yeah, so
1: I think one of the most important things for us was finding a domain, like a .com. Finding a name that, one, had a .com that was free, and two, we had set some criteria in terms of a nice name. so have it so that there was some repeating vowels and some strong consonants, Um, have it so that we could find a .com for cheap or free, and have it something that related to what we were doing. So Irish heritage stems back to the Basque region, which is a region in southern France and northern Spain. And our DNA has been linked to the DNA of those from the Basque region. So, Our earliest ancestors and those that traveled to Ireland first were based from here, so we decided to take a word from the Basque language, and that word is Zirkulu, and Zirkulu is Basque for circle, and because of the fact that everything that we do is based on the circular economy, we felt it was fitting, so Zirkulu is the Basque word for circle.
0: I was expecting it to be good. I don't think I was expecting it to be that good. I feel like (laughs) it perfectly fits with your guys' company. Before we close out this interview, I would really like to know, and you guys may not have this, maybe you do, but is there a quote that you guys live by that has gotten you through this process of starting this company that kind of gets you through the day-to-day, gets you through the challenges, gets you through the up and downs?
1: Oh, I like that. Um, Do you mean like a famous quote or just like something that motivates each other?
0: It could be something that just motivates you guys. It could be your own quote, whatever.
2: Go for a joke. I think Fionn said it earlier, it's the nothing ventured, nothing gained. So it's, um, it's just basically like, even if we're unsure of something, or we're curious or whatever it might be, just kind of say that to each other. And you're just like, okay, we'll figure it out or go talk to that person. You know what I mean? It's just like, um, just don't hold yourself back, I guess.
0: Nothing ventured, nothing gained. I love that.
1: Absolutely. That's, uh, I think it's been our catchphrase from day one. And and the fact that we've mastered a dovetail. I think the two of those.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you did. You said that earlier as well. So that can be your second quote. Perfect. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you taking the time, sharing all this knowledge with us and also just getting people to think a little bit differently about maybe what they're purchasing, you know, their purchasing habits and how they consume in their day-to-day lives.
1: It's been a treat. It's been really fun um, joining you and thanks very much for having us on. It's been great to hear about what you've been up to and it's been great to chat to you about Zirkulu. So thank you very much for having us.
0: It's really been a pleasure. Can you tell everybody where to find you? If they want to check you guys out, check Zirkulu out, let us know.
1: Absolutely. So you can find us on Instagram or any reputable social media provider at Zirkulu, which is Z-I-R-K-U-L-U. And you can find us at Zirkulu.com. And you can also find our Kickstarter on Kickstarter forward slash Zirkulu. And you should find it there too. Come check us out.
0: Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Fionn. Thank you both so much. Thank you guys all for listening. As always, you can find us, Excuse My Reach, on all major streaming platforms. Like, download, subscribe, share with your friends. Be kind to those around you. And don't be afraid to reach a little higher.
1: Unbelievable.